0: you are listening to the critical mass radio show orange county's business talk show focused on exploring topics of interest to ceos who are leading middle market companies with your host richard franzi
1: i love that song it's on my hit list i never get tired of listening to it you're listening to orange county's longest running business talk show i am your host rick franzi we have a great guest today. Deborah Schreider is our guest. She's the founder of Put It In Writing and The Right Stuff Lab. Deborah, welcome to the program.
0: Thank you. I'm delighted to be here, Rick.
1: So you've been in business for 24 years. Take us back in time, Deborah. What was your original motivation to start your business?
0: It was a major life change. Um, I decided I wanted to have a baby. And um, so I did, I was considered an older mother, but I had a beautiful baby girl. And something kept sticking in my brain that I had read. And it was the the quote that no one dies wishing that they had worked more. Right. And so I decided that I wanted to work part time rather than full time. So I could have some time with my baby, I decided it was going to be a one and done. And so I wanted to make the most of my time. So I always love writing. And I've been approached by um, a real estate group of broker owners to help them with their projects. Because so they kept having these meetings, and then people would show up, and they had these great ideas, and then they'd all go off run their businesses, and nothing would happen. So they they brought me in basically as to make it happen, you know. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, if you can't keep me busy with that part, I said I'm a writer, and I'll write the articles for you for the newspaper. So that's how put it in writing got started. And at back in my mind, I thought, well. If it doesn't work out, I can always quote unquote, get a real job. (laughs) And here I am 24 years later with Put It In Writing, having survived pandemics and ups and downs and everything else.
1: So, So I was going to ask you, how long after you decided the name and you were committed to the business as an entrepreneur, did you feel like Put It In Writing was something that would last a long time? I don't know if you imagined it would last 20 plus years, but you know, when did you feel confident in the business?
0: I think after uh, I was working with the broker owner team, this real real estate broker owner team, and um, they were paying for me out of their advertising fund, and when they renewed my contract the following year, I began to feel a little bit more confident. Mm. Um, I had another major life change. I got divorced, um, and I had just um, you know bought a house, and so I thought, well, I can do this. <laughs> so. It was it was really one of those things when my contract was renewed. I was a little nervous, but they renewed it. And every year when renewal came up, I was always that little kind of friction. Of will they won't they. Right. And, but it grew because I started off with the Orange County broker team and then word got out. And next thing I know, I was asked to do Long Beach and I was asked to do San Fernando Valley and San Diego. So I had all these area teams that I was working with, keeping me really busy. Um, Then I had another one of those major life events that didn't happen to me, but the person in charge of this whole California, Hawaii region had a massive heart attack and died, sold the franchise back to the international company, and I lost 90% of my business just like that. All all those contracts I had just disappeared overnight. What would you do? Um, Well, I went for a long walk. and started reaching out to my contacts. And then I got reached, uh, got um, hold of somebody who worked for a real estate trade association. And I'd worked for different real estate trade associations over the year. Mm. And she thought, why don't you come and work for us? You know, we need a part-time government affairs director. And I thought, I don't know anything about government affairs. (laughs) But you know, I needed to pay the mortgage. So um, I became a GAD, as it's known, not a GAD fly, but a GAD for seven years. And I went to Sacramento and Washington DC And it was all in the real estate arena. So that really was my my niche, you know. And um, finally, I decided that I'd had enough of being a gad and I want to concentrate on my writing. And so I really focused on putting it in writing.
1: So there's a lesson for all the entrepreneurs is you've got to be flexible, right?
0: Absolutely. You never know what's around the next bend.
1: So I hear a slight accent in your voice, which makes me think you may not have been born in Orange County. Is that true?
0: That would be correct. Um, I was born in North London and um, hurting terribly this week at the death of our queen. She's been my queen ever since the day I was born. Sure. Um, So I've been actually, this is a strange realization that I've actually lived longer in the United States than I lived in England now. Uh, but the accent's still there. I like to tell people I don't have the accent you do because <laughs> you speak English with an American accent.
1: That's true. Does your daughter have an accent in any way? Pick it up it's from never, you.
0: She has an accent, but when she was younger, she would say words the different way. Instead of um, uh, she would say yogurt rather than yogurt. and and words like that. So certain words she would pronounce differently. And Mm -hmm. uh, as soon as I walked in at parent teacher conference night and opened my mouth, they said, Oh, you must be Amy's mom. (laughs) Yeah.
1: My wife's mother came to the U S from Europe after the war and she has a definite accent, but it's interesting because neither my wife nor her sister hear the accent in their mother. You know what I mean? They don't hear that she speaks with an accent. And I'm like, really? So there's there's something about that. I'm not sure if Amy feels that way about you or not. But we're talking with Deborah. We're talking about her business. Put it in writing. I haven't asked you. You kind of alluded. But tell us specifically today, Deborah, what does put it in writing do for your clients?
0: Well, put it in writing is I take all those writing projects that everyone puts on their back burner and don't want to do or feel too intimidated to do and take it off their to-do list. So I'm getting a lot of requests right now for social media profiles, LinkedIn and different social media platforms, uh, video scripts. I'm doing a lot of video scripting because now everyone's jumping into video. Um, I've done more boring stuff like policies and procedures and bylaws. And it was an assignment for another real estate association, Orange County Realtors, to do their bylaws and their procedure manual. That led me to one of my most popular and my most um, loved assignments. I was tasked with writing uh, with the past president of the association, a leadership academy. So Mm -hmm. I wrote the curriculum and, and developed the leadership academy. And that has led me into so many places you wouldn't believe.
1: So I'm wondering, uh, with the advent of social platforms like LinkedIn, you said writing, you know, profiles, but there's also other platforms, blogs, etc. How has in the 20 plus years that you've been in business, how have the writing assignments changed over time for you? What are your clients asking for today that maybe they weren't 20 years ago?
0: Well, I think a lot of it is the social media profiles and uh, also the video scripts. That in the last year has just taken off because now everyone wants to get into video because people will click on a video link before they'll read a great long passage of something. Um, I think a lot of people don't realize the difference between a resume and a bio. And I hate writing resumes. I just, I just not my thing. I love to do bios because I love to interact with people. And the difference is a resume is what you do and a bio is who you are. Mm. And I found that by uh, interviewing people and writing their bios, I got great feedback, um, such as, are you sure this is me, (laughs) you know, or I'm going to show this to my mom. She's going to be so proud because I like to delve down and really find the nucleus of that person's personality and bring that out in their bio so that when somebody reads their bio uh, on whatever platform, they think, I think I'd like that person. I'd like to do business with that person. I'd like to be a friend with that person. So that's become my my most popular uh, and the thing that's social media is really driven.
1: So when you're writing the script for a video, can you just take us into that creative process? How I'm trying to imagine how that happened? So just educate me a little bit.
0: Well, I had a request for a video script for a, a real estate agent who wanted to reference all the vendors that they had in their Rolodex and on their website. And I thought, well, how can I write a script about, you know, call us if you need a, a chimney sweep or a, a lawn guy, you know, it sounds pretty boring. So for some reason, as I was noodling around, I came up with who you're going to call. And the Ghostbusters theme, of course, of course, immediately popped into my tune, into my head. So I started writing the the this the video scripts with a segue of, so who you going to call when you need this? And then I said, now you're thinking of that Ghostbusters tune, aren't you? And then I kind of segued it in. And um, as I finished the, the video, which is like a three minute video, it's not very long, and the agent was finishing up, the, the closing remark I gave her to say was, now call me if you need help with any of these vendors, but, um, and good luck in getting that tune out of your mind. I know you're all singing and humming. Who are you gonna call?
1: <laughs> so I
0: my inspiration comes from all kinds of different places.
1: So w- were you creative as a child? Did you go to school to be a, in writing? A, where did this come from? No,
0: I, I was an avid reader. I'd love to read. And I think because I loved read, I loved, I loved words. And um, I had developed a really good vocabulary because when I was oh about eight years old, I had read every book in the children's library, eight or uh-huh. nine years old. And so I wanted a ticket for the adult library, which was a separate ticket and the librarian wouldn't let me have one. So my mum went with me, she said, look, she's read all these books and the librarian kept pulling books off the shelf. What about this one? Yeah, I read that one, it's about so-and-so. So finally she relented and gave me an adult ticket. So my mum and I had eight tickets. And so I had eight books that we could pick. And I used to read through those books so quickly, especially in the summer holidays, you know. My mum was always like, go outside, get some fresh air. I'd open the window and say, I've got fresh air, you know. <laughs> Um, i did get in trouble for my reading i've had a few times where i had the the flashlight under the bedclothes reading when i went to be asleep and my dad would come up and get pretty upset about that you know you're going to ruin your eyes and all that kind of stuff but i think my love of words developed from there and then um, i've always had you know i like writing little poems and ditties and bringing the creativity into it it's just something that i've done and i think it's from being exposed to all the different genres that i read as a child and as an adult
1: Right, because you never know, especially in today with the various platforms that are available, how you can kind of repurpose something that you've learned from a different area and bring that in. So being well read probably is a fountain for you from a creative perspective. I can see how that I mean, when you read a book, especially fiction, you're going on a journey, right? I mean, if you're if you're really it's a good writer, you you're you're living vicariously through their words, aren't you?
0: You are, and it's different than a video. I mean, these days, people, as I said, are quick to clip on a video, but not many people take the time to sit and actually read a book, and it's a whole different process and a different experience. It's,
1: it's, it's interesting to me that we're really off subject here with Deborah Schreider, but what the heck, right? We're, we're enjoying each other's <laughs> so company perfect. for a little bit. Um, when people, many times, when they have read the book or a book series, and then they see it, the adaptation into theater or into a movie, it's surprising to me how many people feel the movie didn't do the book justice. It, it, to me it sounds like your your imagination is much more vivid than movie makers sometimes are able to capture or actors are able to bring into You're the, Exactly, into right. The character. The
0: imagination is a wonderful thing and um, you know I don't think we explore it enough but that's exactly what happens your imagination can create worlds that cinematographers can't even envisage.
1: Right. But to have that so to have that ability and then on top of that, the constraint of it's a blog post, it can only be pick a number, 300 words, or it's a video and it only can be three minutes long. So therein, I think, comes the skill of being able to take the message and make it resonate in what is, I think, rather a restrictive platform given today's attention span.
0: You're exactly right. In fact, the challenge for me is to write shorter rather than longer. It's very easy to get verbose and keep writing, um, but to actually make it really tight to make every word count. And people don't realize that I could make, write a paragraph and charge more for a paragraph than I could for three pages because it's so much more work to make that really a viable paragraph.
1: That is counterintuitive, but it's absolutely correct uh, that it is more work to say what you mean using less words, exactly. but you have to do that, especially in your profession, because again, uh, people have an itchy finger when they're clicking the mouse, don't they?
0: Yes, they do. Got to
1: capture their attention early and then hold it, which can be very hard, I would think. And, but with technology, you get to know how long people are on the site or did they watch how long the video. There's a lot of feedback we're getting now that
0: we didn't get before. Isn't it? But I think also, I think people are more tuned into the power of storytelling and realizing mm. that when you, when you have a load of data, it's one thing. People will switch off. But if you can tell a story and weave a story into it, people will stay engaged much longer. So the power of storytelling, I don't think can be understated.
1: Do you have in your mind, is there a tried and true, repeatable format for storytelling, not regardless of what you're doing, but in general, how you approach a writing assignment. Are there elements that you know from your experience and training need to be there and how to structure a proper story?
0: Mine's more freeform than that. Um, I, I, first of all, I, I, when I'm interviewing somebody, I'm writing notes the whole time. And if, if something jumps out of me as I'm writing, I'll ring the, ring the word. Um, I'm looking for a hook. I'm looking for something that I can start off. Like, who you're going to call? That's something that's memorable. Right. Um, I took some classes from a wonderful lady called Sam Horn, and she's written several books. And um, one of the things she said was, "Ink it when you think it." So when you have mm. that idea, even if you're not at the place to write it that right that moment, you write it down and you keep it. And that's how I ended up with Put It In Writing as my business name. I had seen that. As a title on a column in the Reader's Digest a long, long time ago. <laughs> and I always thought, what wow, a great title. And that became my business name. So when you ink it when you think it, you know, and uh, write it when you, when you see it, you know.
1: Yes, creativity is an elusive muse, uh, isn't it? I mean, there are times when creativity is, you're flooded with it. And there may be other times, maybe never for you, but where creativity is being kind of keeping its distance from you. Have, have you had that experience then?
0: Yes, yeah, so and one of my other, um, my, I'm telling you all my secrets here, Rick. One of my other secrets when I do get blocked or I can't quite get going is I will see what the topic is, what the assignment's about, and I will go on to a site like Quoteland and I'll look for quotes about motivation or whatever the topic mm. is. And when I pull up a quote, sometimes that's enough to drive the creative spirit because I'll start with a quote and then segue into what I want to say. So there's all different ways that you know when you when you're stored creativity that you can kind of stimulate it you know, um, and, and that's one of the ways I do. I love to use quotes. I I'm, I collect quotes. When I see a good quote, I collect quotes.
1: <laughs> I'm a sucker for a good quote. I tell you. And again, shorter is more meaningful. I tell you. Sometimes the the impact I get from a quote is every bit as maybe what I would have gotten from a 500 word blog. I see we have a comment from Pauline. She says your command of words is outstanding, Deb. Love your accent and creativity. Well, thank you, Pauline Johnson. Thank you, Pauline. It's nice to hear that you're listening and you wanted to make a comment. We appreciate it. So two years ago, you started the Right Stuff Lab. What is this venture?
0: Well, this this came about during COVID. Um, COVID was a tough time for everyone. And for me, I lost 95% of my business during COVID because everything shut down. Yes. Um, And one of the things that I lost was the Leadership Academy that I had co-wrote and facilitated for four years, which I absolutely loved doing. And uh, because COVID, we couldn't meet in person, everything shut down. Um, Why I liked the Leadership Academy was that um, I found that people that went through the Academy went on to do great things. And I always thought that I was kind of behind the scenes, back back at the scene, you know, I was facilitating. I did teach one segment on how to write your bio in, in the academy but um when the things closed down and i lost my contracts and i didn't have any work i reached out to the academy alumni and just say hey i'm still here you know let me know and the, the love that i got back from the alumni and things like you're a mentor i couldn't have got to what i did without you and i still get those comments from people and it was one of those really strange moments where i thought oh I didn't know that I was that involved in their lives as they were invested in in what I'm telling them. And during COVID, I had also taken some classes again from the lady called Sam Horn, and she had talked about um, developing, it's a Japanese word, it's called Ikigai. And Ikigai um, means when you have a feeling that your work makes a difference in people's lives, it helps you to get up in the morning. It puts a light on in your eyes. And one of her classes was for us to develop this Ikigai, this sense of purpose. And I realized as I was getting all the feedback from the Leadership Academy that I made a difference in their lives. And I was keeping track of their accomplishments. And somebody said to me, actually, it was the CEO of the Real Estate Association. You're a little like a mother hen, Deb. You've got all these alums and and they've gone on to do great things. I mean, like today, I just before I came on with you, Rick, One of our alumni, Konrad Mazika, he is the president of the Baltic Freedom League. And he's meeting with the Senate right now about the war in Lithuania and uh, in Ukraine and and, uh, in Russia. And he's actually in the Senate right now. Wow. uh, He went through our academy. I had another person who said I would never have done the things I've done or be where I am now if it wasn't going through the academy with you um I, you know i have one who's a volunteer in police service and she's actually out in her patrol car now one day a week or two days a week volunteering her time she's got a uniform she's got handcuffs she's got badge and i've got watch out world here she comes and um as to me that really generated a, an incredible feeling of my self-worth because i made a difference in their lives so as we went through covid, Two of the three of my alumni, they decided that they were going to put a group together called Real Estate Pros Without Borders. And I see Yanni's on the screen. She's one of the ladies I'm talking about here because Yanni and Spencer and Alessia put together this group for to connect real estate agents all over the world during COVID. And they were joined by a lady from uh, Trisha from Arizona and uh, Karen from Nevada. And they put together this group called Real Estate Pros. And they reached out to me and said, Deb, would you do a bio class for us like you did for the academy? And I said, I'd love to. So I did the bio class for them. It was the first time me doing a webinar. So it was a lot of learning curve with the technology and everything. But after it, they said, everyone loved it. What else have you got? Well, I'd always put on the back burner, you know, uh, one of these days, and Sam Horn, I guess Sam Horn, she has a book called Someday. And she says, Someday is not another day in the week. How many times do I someday I'm going to? Mm-hmm. And I've always thought, someday I'm going to do uh, teach classes on how to do writing. So on the success of my bio class for this real estate group, I, I wrote down a few ideas, rusted it off to them, and I said, what about these ideas? Would you be interested in any of these classes? And they said, yes, when can you start? And I'm thinking, start? I haven't written any of these. Um, And they said, we want to piggyback on the success of the bio class that you did. So they gave me two weeks and I wrote, I was up night and day writing these, these classes. And that became the right stuff lab for real estate pros. And I do a class on the brand in that brand called you. I do one on Bye Bye boring bio. I have one on take a peek at what makes you unique, which is your unique value proposition, which everyone struggles over. Got testimonials, how to get them, what to do with them when you've got them. Um, are you LinkedIn or missing out? That's the one where I tell them how to um use LinkedIn to get leads and how to write their profiles for LinkedIn. Um and then, because it was real estate related, particularly with this group, help buyers say yes to the address and how to write property previews that sound more interesting than three bedrooms, four bathrooms, and it's a cozy little cottage, you know. Mm-hmm. So um thankfully uh, you know they asked me to do that and and um I spoke I took a class with Sam Horn and uh, she said the right stuff lab is a great title because you can do the right stuff lab for accountants the right, right stuff lab for whoever you know yes. um but of course I started real estate because that's where all my my niche where my contacts were so I did the right stuff lab and um it's uh it brought me my first international client Thanks to real estate pros. I have a client in Portugal who thankfully spoke very good English Mm. (laughs) language is not my strong suit, but you just never Mm. know when you go, when you take, when you open yourself up to opportunities where they're going to lead.
1: That's true. That's exciting. And when you listen to your clients and they ask you for a service, another teachable moment for entrepreneurs as Deborah did say yes, even if you may not be ready. Sometimes that's the catalyst you need to put the focus on it. So let's talk about tomorrow, Deborah. What are you going to be doing? What's your vision for the future of your enterprises?
0: Well, you know, during this, as I said, during the COVID year, I also put a group together called LAMP, a Leadership Alumni Masterclass Pod, putting together classes for them uh, as well um, and bringing in a lot of the instructors that I take classes from at Cal State uh, University Center for Leadership. I brought them into the academy, brought them into the LAMP, and um, again, another one of the alumni from the Leadership Academy, three of them actually, uh, Mindy Long and um, Van H- uh, Gordon and Spencer Hu, not Spencer Hu, sorry, Brian Ahn, they became involved with this brand new um, Vietnamese Trade Association, VNAP, Vietnamese National Association of Estate Professionals. And it started in 2015 up in San Jose, and, they were, and Mindy was asked to lead a brand new chapter in Southern California, and she reached out to me and said, would you be an advisor for our group, Deb? So I got involved with this whole new organization. I knew nothing about the Vietnamese culture, um, but I can tell you I'm absolutely enamored of them. I love these people to pieces. They are so great. And so what I'm doing now, I'm working with a lot of the Vietnamese people and they've asked me to actually um, in the future put together a leadership academy for them. So I'm still doing my writing, I'm still doing my writing projects, but I'm excited to be moving into the Leadership Academy in different groups because um, one of the nice things about this group is they've got a lot of very young entrepreneurs, Mm. um, some really impressive ones, but they they're not so familiar with leadership. And I think with the culture, they tend to, the culture is that you hold back, you know, that you don't brag about yourself. And so it's getting them to step up. I had a, I had a Chinese uh, um, alumni and she had on her LinkedIn page, aspiring to be a leader. And I called her out on it and I said, you know, I said, you, Lisa, you're already a leader. You're you're chairing this committee, you're doing this, you're doing this, you're doing this. You can say aspiring to be a better leader, but you mm-hmm. are already a leader. And she said, well, it seems like I'm bragging. Mm-hmm. So there's a big cultural divide, which is another new stepping stone. And I've also found that ladies in particular tend to hide their light under a bushel. Yes. And I think, you know, I grew up in my in my time, my I remember my dad saying little girls should be seen and not heard. Oh my goodness. And so, you know, you've got all that all those dialogues from years ago. And I think that you know, when you've got a cultural thing where the, the people are supposed to be not bragging and and to bring themselves out and accept the the fact that they are doing really wonderful things in their business. So I'm hoping that as I go forward, um, I will be more involved, I will be more involved with this group. Um, their mission statement is to um, elevate the Vietnamese community through CARES, which is cultural enrichment, advocacy, resources, education, and social responsibility. Hmm. And um, so I'm getting involved with them in so many different ways. They're doing yoga on the beach this week, at the end of this week, for a health thing for their uh, for their enrichment. And so, um, I look at my, see myself as going forward, still doing my writing projects, but moving more into some leadership training and helping and fledgling groups such as VNARP, you know, um, bring up their young influences and and bring them up so that they can be leaders going forward. And not just within an association, even though the Leadership Academy for Orange County was really to get fresh blood onto the board of directors because we had... At the time it was uh, all white, you know, old white men basically mm-hmm. on the board and now it's really mixed with uh, ages, gender, culture, everything else. Um, but also, um, lost my train of thought where I was going with that on for a moment. Um, but also with adding, getting the young people involved not only in an association like VNAp or the Realtors Association, but they've gone out into the community. We've got them on board of directors of Saddleback Hospital. We've got them serving for the police. We've got them going overseas, so it's it creates ambassadors that go out into the community, and it serves not only the association but the community that they live and work. That's true. Better than that.
1: So, if so, nothing. If someone would like to connect with you, maybe on LinkedIn or learn more about what you're doing, where would you direct them?
0: Go to LinkedIn, and my name is Deborah. That's D E B R A Schreider, S H R I D E R. Please, please do not put any C's in my last name. Everybody does. I can stand in front of someone, spell it out and watch them do a C. It's S-H-R-I-D-E-R. But I'd be love, love to meet people on LinkedIn and um, you know connect with people and see how I can help put it in writing for them.
1: Deborah, I've enjoyed our time together. Thank you.
0: Thank you very much for the opportunity, Rick. I really appreciate it.
1: I'd like to thank our audience. You've just been a part of Orange County's longest running business talk show. Debra's episode was episode number 1,387 in our catalog. If you're an Orange County entrepreneur and you would like to tell your story, then connect with me on LinkedIn. I'm Rick, R-A-C, franzi F-R-A-N-Z-I. Coincidentally, that's my website too, rickfranzi.com. And until the next time we have a chance to be together, I hope all of your business decisions will move your company in a positive direction. <music>